sure you're involved there. You can register at the hub afterwards. Uh, what's the age? 13 to 113. 13 to 130, if you've fallen there somewhere. 13-ish. So 12 you might get away with if you think your daughter's up to it. Right? So, um, yeah, I encourage you to be part of that. It really is a fantastic day. Also, we've got a men's breakfast coming. And um, I can't think of the date, so hopefully. We've had a few technology issues. This Saturday coming, 25th. 25th, we've got a men's breakfast. It'll be at 7.30, I think. 7 o'clock. I've got it all wrong. 7 o'clock. It's a big breakfast at 7 o'clock. Um, no, it's not there. So that's this coming Saturday. So you better sign up for that in the hub as well. That'll be great. Also, can I um, thank you now for being purposed in your giving? We really, really appreciate um, everything that you, you give financially into the life of the church. And it really does release us to do some amazing things. I meant to have with me this morning, and I forgot, unfortunately, uh, a card from, I think it was Bankwood School. You know, where we sent the school bags for the kids. And... Um, and they say, thank you so much. We've been giving the bags to needy families. And um, the, the end of the card comments that being able to do it, the teacher, whoever wrote the card, said it actually has been bringing a tear to their eye as they get to express love and, and generosity. So we're going to put it in the e-news apparently, so you'll be able to read it. Beautiful. So that's great. Right. Well, this morning we get to celebrate communion together. So that's great. Pastor Trevor, would you like to come and lead us around communion this morning? How about giving him a hand as he comes? Good morning, y'all. It's a good day. The Irish are celebrating all the way, all the way to Hamilton, New Zealand. It's good, isn't it? Thank you. If the uh, servers would like to give the emblems out, and this morning I wonder if you'd like to just hold them, hold the emblems, please, and we'll. We, this is a little bit of a time walk. Is that okay? We're going to do it the traditional way today. All right. I'll tell you why. I want to ask you, how's your memory? <clears throat> you can't remember. <laughs> I find it maddening when my short-term memory just disappears and I can't remember my, my wife's name. I think I can usually get mine right, but, but anything other than that, oh, gosh, it's maddening. We were, trying to, we were trying to remember something last night about cooking. We were both looking at this and couldn't work out what the word was. And I was in the shower this morning and I suddenly yelled it out to Margaret. I remembered. It, it, it only took about 12 hours and it, it, comes, it comes eventually. And some of the young ones, they think, oh, gosh, how can you forget that? And I say, well, hang on, hang on, just think about my computer and your computer. My computer, you've only got, got about 10% of what I've got, all the names I've learned over 70 years. And so my hard disk, hard drive is a bit full. And it takes a while for the computer to grind through. And the computer, you know, it's like an old 286 takes a while to grind through and find the information, but it does get there eventually. Yeah. Communion is all about memory. It's all about memory this morning. Here we go. I've been one of those who was very, very poor 
at history at school. I was always focused on the future, the future, new technology, what's happening, the new vehicles, rushing to find out what the latest is. But there is a time to reflect, to stop, reflect, and go back. The memory of communion is all about Jesus. It's all about the reason why we're here. It's all about the kingdom of God being outworked because of the history, because of what Jesus did. He is the lover of our soul. He is the one who brought salvation for us. He is the one who brought relationship with the Father. Without him, there is no kingdom. Without him, there is no relationship. Jesus himself got frustrated with some of his leaders who simply didn't remember. It's important to remember sometimes. Mark 18, Jesus was observing the disciples arguing because they'd set out in the boat and realized that they hadn't brought any food for their trip. They only had one loaf between them. And there was arguing going on, and Jesus was going, oh. You see, this was immediately after Jesus had just blessed seven loaves and fed 7,000 people. 7,000 people. Oh, 5,000 people, wasn't it? See, my memory just takes a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Actually, it was 4,000, I think, wasn't it? Who's, who's catching me out? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 4,000 <laughs> with seven loaves. And, and it, it only just occurred. And here they are arguing about, who didn't get the food? You were supposed to have something for the trip. Oh, for goodness sake. Jesus said, you have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? You see, he couldn't talk in computer terms back in those days, but we can nowadays. Don't you remember anything at all? This is Jesus, the master, talking to his leaders. Don't you remember anything at all? They've just come out of this amazing, miraculous event. And here you are fighting about who should have got the food. When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. I remembered that. Well, don't you remember anything at all? These things are important. They're really, really important to remember and to keep right up in front of us. Jesus talked again in Luke 17. He was talking about the returning of him, the second coming. And he said, remember Lot's wife. Remember. Remember Lot's wife. Don't forget this. What about Lot's wife? He said, remember what happened to Lot's wife if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. 
important principle, timeless principle that he's saying, remember, hang on to it. Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, make allowance for each other's faults. We need to remind ourselves of that from time to time, like about 10 times a day. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Remember, remember the Lord forgave you. Okay, okay, I guess that's a fairly good argument. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, here's the real crunch point. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love conquers all. Communion. Reminding. The most important thing of all, Jesus said, do not forget this. As he prepared himself to go to the cross, to be arrested and to be just cruelly mistreated, totally out of order, absolutely, because of his love for us. Luke 22, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body. Jesus was really good on word pictures, wasn't he? Remember, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant, a whole new agreement, a whole new way, a whole new way of life that was being introduced at this moment. This is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for all. Never forget, friends, never forget. The kingdom of God is a wonderful, wonderful worldwide movement of people loving each other and demonstrating to the world a better way of life. But without a king, there is no kingdom. Let me say it again. Without a king, there is no kingdom. It's not about our way of life. It's not about our good deeds. It's not about our striving of how we want to bless the world. It's actually about worshipping our King. Our King made it all possible. And that's what we're doing here right this morning. Never forget, our King paid a huge, huge price to buy our salvation, to bring us into relationship, to establish the Kingdom of God that has not ended and will not end forever and ever. The Kingdom of God is continuing and growing. <clears throat> the great old hymn that we used to sing. I'm sure Irene would love to play it, and Margaret would too if she could this morning. Lest I forget Gethsemane. How many know it? 
lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. This morning, let's remember. Let's come around Calvary. I would like to invite you now to just hold your emblems. Close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to remember. Would you remember this morning when you first gave your life to Jesus? Can you recall that moment? How did you feel? Do you remember that moment that Jesus touched your life through certain circumstances that were overwhelming you? He touched you. Can you remember that moment? It's all about the King. It's all about the King. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you that you're not a dead king this morning. You rose again. You are victorious this morning. We proclaim your sovereignty. We, we proclaim your supremacy. You are above all others. You hold all authority. And we worship you and love you this morning. Help us, Lord, together as a family this morning to celebrate this together. Extend our love to one another. Extend our love to you. Let's partake of the bread that reminds us his body that was so cruelly treated for us. And let's partake of the juice representing his blood, the precious blood of Jesus that washes away all sin and makes us perfect regardless of how we feel. Amen. come into his courts with thanksgiving and with praise this morning. Our first song is not just a warm-up for you to arrive and wander in. The Bible says come into his courts with praise and with thanksgiving. It's, a, it's part of a biblical pattern, the way God does things. And now we've remembered. And I want to invite you to stand and we're going to worship Jesus. And the first song, I think, is the, come to the altar. Is that right? Let's come to the altar. If you want to come out of your seats and come and fill this space as a physical 
demonstration of what you're saying in your heart, not to other people, but to Jesus this morning. You feel free to do that. And I encourage you to open your hearts before him. Allow for a significant connection to take place this morning with the King of all kings. Jesus is calling Jesus is
Jesus, your love leads our hearts to praise. Your love leads our hearts to praise. Your love leads our hearts to praise. So we praise you. Praise you. about you, but I'm constantly amazed at the way Jesus does things. I'm, away, I'm amazed at the way he's gone out of his way so that we can walk with him. There's got to be easier ways, doesn't it, doesn't there? To, for the kingdom to extend, to reach the world with the gospel, there's got to be easier ways than using you and I. I'll speak for myself. There's got to be easier ways than using me. But he chose to do it that way. Why on earth? I don't know. But he chose to do it that way because he believes in me and he believes in you. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Ephesians says, you are his masterpiece. Everyone, masterpiece. Come on. Masterpiece. Hey? And in Christ Jesus, he's got a whole lot of things for us to do. Well, this morning it is, it is wonderful to have Pastor Patrick with us all the way from Dublin. And um, uh, pa Patrick being here is, is a divine thing, in my opinion. Pastor Patrick and I met uh, three years ago, would it be? Three years ago um, on the Gold, Gold Coast in Australia. Neither of us were on holiday. We were both at the Apostolic Church of Australia conference. And um, we were both the guest speakers at a church, the same church, the weekend before doing different meetings and uh, we connected and we, we connected I, I think it was a divine connection I saw I took one look at his head and I thought God's in this <laughs> and then later I found out that he played the trumpet come on how's that you know that's pretty cool so we could have done an item but both of us bailed on that maybe next time we're at the same level it's called unenthusiastic <laughs> on the trumpet <laughs> And um, anyway, I've had the great privilege of, of visiting um, Patrick's church in Dublin twice. And uh, he's building a great church, churches there in Dublin, doing a great job with his, his family and his wife, Sean. And God's hand is really on them. And it's a significant journey. So I'm, I'm really excited about Patrick being here this weekend. It's a, again, it's just God's doing something. Don't ask me what it is because I don't know. I just know it's a divine connection. And uh, so we're celebrating that. We're having a great time together. And um, why don't you come, Patrick, and please give him a massive big hand as he comes. <laughs> Wonderful.
Am I on now? Yeah, wow. Praise God, amen. I'm looking at that clock, so I've got uh, 25 minutes. Okay. Pastor Sheridan and Jan are wonderful people. I'm so blessed to know them. I'm glad we met on the Gold Coast. I thought the Gold Coast was paradise until I came here. And now I realize that the Kiwis are just a little bit above the Australians. So, so uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. Your country is lovely. Many Irish people here. My wife is Welsh, and she sends her love to people here. And my, I've got three children, three girls, and 16, 13, and 8, and uh, they're a handful. But uh, they're, they're great. But I, 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 I sense something in God, you see. I've traveled to many places, and uh, sometimes I go to a place I don't sense anything, but I sense something from God, and I have to share, which is, is that okay, before I get into God's Word? What I sense from God is this very, very strongly, it's, I feel it all over me, actually, is that in churches, there's certain elements that can bring breakthrough. But often we don't use those elements to bring breakthrough. And because we're in the moment, we don't see what God has given to us. So therefore, often we need someone else to come in and show us there's something significant and that you have as a church. And uh, you've got great leaders, you've got great pastors, you've got all that stuff, you've got great building. But what I sense from God very clearly is this, your worship is a key element to bring change in Hamilton. But you're not using the gift that God has bestowed upon the church. You're partially using it. What I felt in my spirit very strong is that there should come a gathering of a long time worshiping God. I've sat in worship services around the world and sometimes they're garbage, sometimes they're boring, Sometimes they have a level of anointing, but this morning there's a deep sense of God in your worship. And I, I feel a challenge for you is that you're to break out and just have long periods of worshiping together. And I think the other element is this, is that especially this evening, I want everybody to come to the gathering this evening. Because as we come together, the Bible says when brethren dwell together in unity of worship, God commands a blessing. All of a sudden, heaven comes into the meeting. There's a sense of God that can be extraordinary. And sometimes with the Holy Spirit, He begins to build as we go into one service, into a next service, and then come to the third service, something of heaven comes. But there is a gift that has been bestowed upon this church, and that's the gift of worship, sister. You've got something from heaven. You're not just singing songs. There's a sense of God in your spirit. And there's a sense of the atmosphere of God as you worship God. And you have to break out even further in that. And your worship team should come together and worship together. Like what I saw was a porthole from heaven coming down. And what I felt, Sheridan, was as you do that, you will see a multitude of salvations. Honestly, now multitude of salvations coming. There will come a resounding sound of heaven coming from this sanctuary that will go from the sanctuary into the atmosphere. 
You know, just like the, the devil brings an atmosphere to the, to the earth. There's a sound of heaven as the people of God worship together. And I don't know whether I'm conveying it properly, but there's a sense of heaven in your worship, honestly, that you're not really tapping into fully. And I believe this, as you fully tap into it, a sense of revival will come among you as a people of God, honestly, now. And I, and I feel this in my spirit. Tonight is going to be a very significant night. And I, I would challenge you, and I know it's hard, and the weather, and cup of tea, and coffee, and chats, and, but I've come a long way to spend time with you, so I'm going to ask you to come and, and believe God to do miracles tonight. I felt what in my heart was this, there's three elements. People, most Christians suffer with shame, guilt, and condemnation. Honestly, no matter how long you're walking with Jesus, I've seen so much of that. And I believe tonight that God can do something significantly powerfully in your life. We had a glimpse of it yesterday. I went to the shops with Luke. Poor Luke. We went into one shop, into Smiggles. Great shop. And then we went to a bookshop and, and I was looking for this book for my daughter and this young girl came over to me and she was chatting to me. I was looking for a book on law but she thought it was a, a study book. Anyway, cut a long story short. She's saying, did your daughter study in law? I said, no, she wants to study law. And we were chatting away. And I said, uh, what do you do? She said, I study medicine and blah, blah. I said, what do you want to do with your life? She said, I want to work for World Vision. Praise the name of Jesus, I said. You came to the right person today. <laughs> so I, and I grabbed Luke and his, his girlfriend. I said, you're going to come to church tomorrow night, aren't you? So she's coming to church this evening. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then we went to Smiggles. And I said to the woman behind Smiggles, I said, you need to come and hear my testimony. She's looking at me as if I'm nuts. So she's coming to church tonight. Praise the Lord. You see, that's just a sample of what God can do in Hamilton. That's just a taste. And when you worship the Lord, God will do something significant. Trevor, I feel a word from heaven for you, my brother. This is what the Lord said to me this morning about you as I was praying. Lord said, it's not over. It's not over by a long shot, says God. That you have a significant role to play in the kingdom of God. The years, the wisdom, the sense of God in your life and in your spirit is for others, says God. I'm going to open many doors, says the Lord, for you to travel extensively, to impart what I gave to you over these years. There's an impartation that I want you to give to others, especially young ministers as they grow in God. There is something from heaven that I bestowed in you over many, many years. And as the days follow, my word to you is the latter days shall be greater than the former. More is about to take place than you can even imagine. You have wisdom beyond many. You have experience beyond many. You have depth beyond many. But that is a gift from heaven for others, says the Lord. And I'm going to, I am going to do something significantly in your life for others. And there will be many that will knock on your door and come in and listen to you and take all that you have, and they will walk out and become great men of God. I want to tell you, says the Lord, it's not over. It's not over. The latter days shall be greater than the former. And what I will do in a short period 
will be greater what you did over many years, says the Lord. Amen. Okay, I better preach now. Praise the Lord. Thank you for having me. You're so nice, people. I thought the Irish were nice, but I, I, I think you, you, you're at par. You're on par with us. Praise the Lord. Never thought I'd say that, but anyway, there we are. Well, I'm carrying something from heaven for you, and I want you to really listen. And then at the end, I'm going to pray for as many as we can, because I believe when God does something significant, and we're going to get you to sing, sister, that sense of heaven in your spirit will come, you know. I feel a word for you. I'll give it to you later. But I just sense that God wants to do something amazing in this place. You've got an amazing church, man, I'm telling you. And I'm not just saying that. I come from a tough background, so I don't, get, I don't cast bouquets very easy. So you really have an amazing place. Amen. Wow. But I see every chair filled in every service. That's what I see, honestly. I'm telling you. Praise God. Okay, the title of this sermon as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your word to our hearts. Holy Spirit, take control of every word. May heaven speak to our hearts this morning. And may you do something special in every life in this room. I pray, O oh God, that you are the God of every individual. You're the God of destiny. You're the God of dreams and visions. And today, Father, we pray the blessing of God on each one in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The title of this sermon is this. It's, it's, it's called, It's Time to Dream Again. Do you know, so many people lose dreams. They lose vision. They lose purpose. They lose that sense of God. They lose that sense of purpose on planet Earth. And I watched a movie recently called Invincible about a, an American footballer. It was a quite extraordinary movie. But this American footballer called Vince Payala. I think that's how you say his name anyway. Anyway, he was 30 years of age. He was from North, South Philadelphia, one of the roughest parts of, of America at present. But at that time, there was low employment. And he, he was married to a girl. And uh, he had a part-time job in a school. And he had a part-time job in a bar. She was constantly on his back, constantly giving out to him saying to him, you need to get a better job. But at that time in the 70s and 80s, the employment was so low in Philadelphia that he tried everywhere. And then one day he came home and his wife had left him. Left him with a note that said, on the note says, you will never do anything, never go anywhere, and never be anything. And he used to carry that note around him every day, every single day, and read it every day to himself. And therefore, the power of those words would affect his life. But he had an ability, he had a tremendous ability as an athlete. And he never went to... To, he never did a, a, uh, athletics in school because his mother was so sick, he looked after his mother most of her life. But he had a tremendous ability at American football. But he was 30 years of age. And his friends were always saying, it's such a pity that if you were younger, you probably would have been an N NFL sports athlete or whatever. But an extraordinary event happened in the 70s and 80s that would change his life. And out of nowhere, there, there was a new manager for the, the Philadelphia Giants, if that's what you call them. To, to take over the team was doing very poorly. And so what he did was he decided to open, have a, have a day, a, a field day for everybody in Philadelphia to come and try out. And so all his mates, this guy Vince Payala, all his mates said, you need to go and try out. But every day he would read those words that his wife had left him. You will go nowhere, you will do nothing, and you never achieve anything. And so therefore he was torn between going out and trying on the, on the team or listening to the words of death, basically that's what they were. And therefore, he, his best friend kept on pushing him and pushing him. Thank God for good friends. And so he decided, okay, listen, I'll go out and I'll try out and I'll just do whatever and then I'll walk away. 
Well, anyway, he cut a long story short. He tried out. He, he could run 100, 100 meters under 10 seconds. He was a phenomenal athlete. He had, a, he had an incredible physique. He was an incredible individual. And out of nowhere, the manager decided to pick him. Pick him for another tryout and then another tryout. Well, cut a long story short, he ends up playing for Philadelphia Giants on the major leagues. But there's something stopping him from really fulfilling what God or whatever his desire was. And that was the words of this ex-wife. You will do nothing, go nowhere, and never achieve anything. But something happened in his heart one day as he was going out to play against the New York Giants or wherever the name of them are. And he looked at the words and he crushed them and he threw them on the floor. And he went out and he won the greatest, greatest try or whatever you call it that day. And he ended up playing at that level for over two and a half years. He became a, a professional athlete. Because he believed that something in him was designed to do something more. And friend, every Christian that is born on planet Earth, has a destiny to fulfill and has a dream to actually fulfill. And in Acts chapter 2, it says this, and I want you to listen, because I've read this verse a million times, but I've re I read it differently now. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. We all know the verse very clearly. It says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, for your, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on, and on my maidservants and, and, and male servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall, pro, and they shall prof, prophesy. And then it says, and it shall come past that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall get saved. So in other words, God has a big plan for planet Earth. And we are all part of the plan. Now listen to what I want to say to you is this. God has a plan for you and I, and we are part of it. And God has decided the exact place in which he has placed you. In other words, if you're born here, you're born here for a specific reason. He's just, and listen, he has decided the exact generation in which you were born into. God never makes mistakes. Okay? And listen, God chose you for a specific purpose in this generation. Let me tell you, friend, when you got saved, you got saved for two reasons. One was to be born again and to be saved for eternity. The second reason was for the purpose of the kingdom of God on planet Earth. You didn't get saved by chance. You got saved for a specific reason, and God saw from eternity where you would get saved, how you would get saved, and, and the place, and the exact place you got saved. Do you know where I got saved? I got saved drinking in a, in a stupor, in a mess in Spain one year, when I was 23 years of age, I was drinking excessively. 
I, I, I was partying like an animal, and my brother had just got saved, and he was nuts, and he went from madness to sanity, and he was going from smoking marijuana 24 hours a day to talking about Jesus, and we all thought he'd gone nuts. So I arrive in this place in Spain, in Tenerife, I'm drinking excessively, I'm out of my face day and night, and all of a sudden I wake up one morning, and I decide to go to the bathroom, and I don't know why, and by the time I came out of the bathroom, I was saved. Now, I never went to church. I never read a Bible. But God saw and stepped out of eternity into my world, even in the mess I was in, and brought salvation to my life for a specific purpose on planet Earth. And that plan is to wherever I go, I see people saved. Like that kid in that bookshop yesterday, I saw an opportunity to bring her to church. Walking into Smiggles, buying kids stuff for my kids, was an opportunity for me on planet Earth. And God has placed me at this time in New Zealand for a, for a specific purpose, is to reach those who don't know Christ. Well, what is your purpose? Why did you get saved? Did you get saved just for a good feel factor? Did you get saved just because you're a naughty boy or girl? I said this statement in my church, and a New Zealand guy said he really enjoyed the statement. This fellow never gives you, never gives you a pat on your shoulder. He's been in the church for 30 years. Now listen to what I'm going to say to you, and I want to get this in your spirit today. The reason you're still here is because God is not finished with you. The reason you're still on this planet is God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. The moment you exit is the moment it's over. I lost a brother five years ago, 47 years of age for a dreadful disease. And I remember him saying to me two things. He said, I'm finished now. It's over for me. I'm going to, plan I'm going to heaven. But I want you to do something for me, he said to me. Fulfill every dream that God has placed in your heart. Because if you're still there, there's a reason and a purpose you're still here. Now, most of us think we're here just to go to work and make money and look after our family and our kids. And that's part of the plan. But there's a greater plan and there's a greater purpose for you being saved on this earth. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't come to this church at this present time that are going to come to this church in the future because God has planned not just to save you, but to save them. And the person he's going to use to save them is you in this building. Otherwise, you're going to heaven. And I want you to ask yourself, what am I doing for the kingdom of God? What am I doing in my location? What am I doing in my college or in my workplace or in my neighborhood, whatever it is, what, and then take it. What am I doing in my city? What am I doing in my nation? And what will I do globally for the kingdom of God? Listen, friend, God saved you for a specific purpose on this earth. Now, I thank God my brother got saved, 
and he led hundreds and hundreds to Jesus. He got saved first and led us all to the Lord. God saw through his life he would reach my life and reach all my family's life. And all of us began to get saved. All the tough head cases, arm robbers, drug addicts, prostitutes began to get saved through my brother's ministry. Because God saw fit to save him first and then reach into my life and change my life. Well, I want to tell you something. God's plan has never changed. He has used people from the beginning of time and he will use people until the end of time. And listen, friend, you are called the people of God for a reason and for a purpose at this time, in this generation, at this hour, is to reach a lost and broken world. That's what we were called to do. Hallelujah. My wife said, please don't shout with these people. She saw me now, she'd be saying, sit down. It's okay. I do, I always obey her anyway. Hallelujah. John 15, verse 16 says, You did not choose me, I chose you. Now listen to what Jesus said. You did not choose me, but I chose you that you may bear much fruit. In other words, God wants you to be fruitful. Not in your financial bank account, but in the things of God. That God will look at your life and when you walk out of earth and end up in planet heaven or whatever you call it, in heaven, in eternity, you will look back and you will see the fruit that you gathered while you were here, friend. Luke said to me yesterday, how do you do it in the shops? I said, because I've got a big mouth, Luke. <laughs> I said, it's a funny thing. You've got the same mouth. You just have to exercise the gift that God gave you. but do you exercise the gift that God has given you? That's the question. Now, friend, he poured out his spirit in 1906 in a small little village in Wales called Pennygross to a family, a large family, whose father was blind, who had, I think, 11 children, and D.P. Williams was touched out of that revival in 1906, 1916. And something happened to him that would change the planet. He was a Welsh speaker. He was a minor. He was 12 years of age. He was a nobody in terms of the world. But God saw in him, in his heart, that I'm going to take this kid, I'm going to change planet Earth. Apostolic movement has 100 churches around the world today. Because of a seed of a young man in a tiny village, in a, in a country that is so insignificant. But God saw fit from eternity to put a dream in his heart to change the world. The Bible says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What will they prophesy, friends? What will young children prophesy? I'll tell you what they'll prophesy. They'll prophesy as they walk into their classrooms and declare that the kingdom of God shall be established in that school. They will prophesy that their friends will get wonderfully saved. They will prophesy that, they would, that in these classrooms, men and women of God will be raised for the last generation to take the world for Jesus. That's what they will prophesy. That's what the Spirit of God will do. He'll take a youngster, pour his grace upon his life, and he, out of his mouth will come wonderful mysteries of God to a world that is looking and longing to hear the voice of God. That's what he will do. 
And God will pour out His Spirit on the youngest to prophesy to those who are young and see them saved, see them healed, see them set free, that they will become the voice in this hour at this time. That's what God will do. What else will He do? He'll give young men visions. He will step into the world of young men, just like D.P. Williams and other great men of God that God chose at a significant time and at a moment in life. He will stretch forth the kingdom of eternity into their inner, inner hearts like young Jake. You know, I said to young Jake, yes, to young Jake, I said, Jake, do you want to get a gear for He said, no, I just love Jesus. God is doing something in that kid's life to change the world that he lives in. God will put something in his heart, a vision for, a, for, a, for an outpouring of God, for a young generation of youngsters waving their hands, praising the name of Jesus, that the world will look in and say, they have something that we do not have. That's what the Spirit of God will do. And then it says, and old men will dream dreams. What will they dream? What will old men dream? In other words, God is never finished. In other words, there's no retirement package with God. Seriously. Seriously, my father-in-law was preaching until the day he had a stroke. And only for the stroke took him, he would be still preaching. In his head, he was not finished. He felt that eternity was in him, and until eternity called him, there was still a job to do. You know, I've met so many people, when they retire from work, they die a year later. So in other words, what is the dream for old men? I'll tell you what the dream is. The dream for old men is to pass down what God has given them to a younger generation spiritually. It's that old men will dream that these kids will get a hold of God and they will effectively change society and cause impact wherever they go. That's what old men will dream, that they will see their children and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren become ministers of the gospel, become powerful men and women of God with a message of hope to a hopeless generation, to a broken world, that the men will dream and pass down the very existence that God put in them and give it to them. That's what they will dream. And that's what I will dream until eternity takes me home. That my children will be powerful people of God. That my grandchildren will be powerful people of God. And that in the lineage of my life, not what my past said. My past said I was a hopeless case. I'd end up in prison, a drug addict, an alcoholic, a bum. That's what the past told me. But the day salvation came into my heart, there was a second message put in me. The message of hope. The message of a voice to a broken generation. That I walk the streets with and I look at prostitutes and I tell them about Christ. I see drug addicts. I reach in and I tell them about Jesus. That he can set them free. The dream is not over, man. I don't care what the devil has told you. I don't care what the past drags up for you. I don't care what people have said to you. I want to tell you, with God, all things are possible. I want to tell you this morning, this God that saved me can save anybody. This God that transformed me can transform anybody. This God that made me whole can make anybody whole. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore, friends. But the church has lost vision. The church has lost the dream. Seeing these doors filled with kids coming in, getting saved. Can you imagine? The altar full every week with people praising the Lord, getting saved and set free. That kid in that bookshop, I'm telling you, man, it was unbelievable. She was jumping up and down to the bookshop like this. She was high-fiving me about 14 times. She said, I was meant to meet you today. She's not even saved. 
And she's excited for Jesus. The church are saved and they're not excited for Jesus. What's wrong? Seriously. Let's go to church. Mm. Sheridan wasn't great on Sunday, was he? Is he speaking next Sunday, is he? Oh, we'll, we'll go to beach instead. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, like, what's wrong with the church? Honestly, someone said to me the other day, the day you got saved, you were nuts, you're still nuts. I said, praise the Lord, man. <laughs> praise the Lord. I have the same passion I was at 24 and 48. Now. I still have the same passion for a broken world. Because I dream God will do something amazing in my own nation and this nation. God will touch youngsters and see them saved. I worked in a barber shop many years ago in the worst neighborhood in, in, the, in the city of Dublin. This fellow used to come in every day. He was the most chronic addict I've ever seen. When I used to cut his hair, he used to fall over. He was so bad. He had a scar from there to there. Someone had put a blade through his face. And the, bar, the, the owner of the barber kept saying, stop telling people about Jesus. I said, I'm not, not going to listen to you. I said, I'll tell everybody that is in that chair about Jesus. So this day he wasn't in. This fellow walked in, Paul, chronic addict, scarred down his face, slumped over in the chair. And I said, Paul, Jesus can set you free, bro. I don't care how bad that addiction is. Christ can enter your world and change you. Years later, I'm at a conference, got a knock on the door. This fellow was like a pole. He was so thin from drug addiction. This big fellow knocked on my door. I said, who the heck is this big scar down? I said, wow, who's he? He said, do you remember me? I said, no. He said, there you said that I got saved. I went to Teen Challenge, got set free, and now I work for Teen Challenge. I said, praise the name of Jesus. You see, God can take your life to affect another life. God can take your life to affect a city, man. Not just a life, a city, a neighborhood, a job place, a school, a college, a world. God can take this life of yours and make something of it that you can't even imagine. Honestly, I shouldn't even be standing here. But God in his wisdom stepped into my world, changed my life, and put a dream in me that I could have a second chance of life, that I could go to college, that I could have a marriage and have a family and have a good life in Dublin City. I was a waster. I was going nowhere. I was, I was stealing cars at 14. I failed everything in school. I was a bum in, in society. I was a hopeless case, but Christ stepped into my world, friend, and gave me a dream and gave me a vision, and that dream is still awake in my heart. That vision lives with me every single day. Do you know why? Because this God is my God friend and he's the same God for you friend and I want to wake a dream back up in your heart that you leave this building today saying I'm going to do whatever God has asked me I'm going to go wherever God has sent me I'm going to be that great person that God has put in my heart because I want to tell you First Peter says the seed that is in you is the seed that will never die until eternity calls you and friend eternity hasn't called you so therefore you are here for a plan and a purpose at this time at this hour for this generation needs you they need you now, friend. Praise the Lord. They need us now at this hour. Praise God. Hallelujah. Go back to my notes. Stop shouting. My wife will kill me when she hears this. It's okay. I got, I've, I've known how to get good hidings. Anyway, it's okay. Everyone is involved in his great plan. From the youngest to the oldest. 
God, every, God wants everyone to dream dreams. Walt Disney's wife was spoken to one day as they finished the completion of Disneyland. And the engineer looked sad as he stood beside Miss Disney. And Walt Disney's wife said to the engineer, why are you so sad? And, she's, and he said, because Walt never saw the completion of the parks. And she said, he saw them before they were made. A man with a dream. Amazing that that man had a dream. He was told he had no imagination. He was sacked from his employment because they said he had no imagination. Yet the whole world has benefited from his dream. The whole world has benefited. I've been there millions of times with my children. Imagine if the church began to dream big dreams. Imagine if the church began to see big visions. I think it was C.T. Studd said or Hudson Taylor said, you've got to believe in big things because you've got a big God. Because if you dream small, that means you've got a small God that doesn't even exist. So Hudson Taylor took on inland China and changed the whole course of China's heritage in generation after generation after generation has been effectively affected by Hudson Taylor's vision and dream to affect China. C.T. Stood went to Africa, told the world that Africa would, would be one for Christ. Today, Reinhard Bonnke has seen the evidence of that. And it's not because of what he did. As Jesus said to the disciples, you are only reaping to those who have gone before you. In other words, what C.T. Stood saw was the millions upon millions upon millions of Africans being saved, but God chose at exact time, at exact generation, at exact hour to raise up right heart bonky to affect Africa. Now maybe you're sitting here this morning that God is calling you to be the next right heart bonky of New Zealand, that you can dream to see millions upon millions of people saved for the glory of God. Maybe it's you. But here's the challenge. Our responsibility is to be partakers of God's great dream. But I have a big question for all of you. I always love to challenge people. What would you say is your specific purpose for which God caused you to be saved? And secondly, what do you think God wants you to accomplish on this earth? For his glory. Where he placed you and where you are is significant. In this church and for this city. It's never too late to dream. It's never too late to vision again. Winston Churchill said, success consists of going from failure to failure without the loss of enthusiasm. Joseph had a dream. Funny, he was a slave. He was in a prison. Funny, he had a dream. Esther had a vision for the nation. Funny, she was an orphan. Moses had a great vision for a great deliverance, for he was a murderer and a runaway. Paul had an unbelievable vision to change the planet. Funny, he, was, he used to murder Christians. 
And Peter conquered the world. But yeah, he was just a mere fisherman. Extraordinary God with ordinary people that believed in the dream. I'll leave this with you. You and I stand in this time of the history of the church. So everyone looking in and often those inside, we are failing, which is a lie from hell, in my estimation. Generation and decades have passed. In every generation, there has been men and women who have dreamed. And those who have had vision have done great exploits for the kingdom I believe it's our time and our responsibility to do the same. Will you join those who've gone beyond into eternity? Who call every day? Will you join with me to see this city and nation one for Jesus? I'm reminded of the great missionary Amy Carmichael, a young Irish girl, that felt a call and had a dream. She ended up in Japan and never worked, and then she went to China and didn't work. Amy Carmichael's biggest regret in her life was the color of her eyes. She hated the fact that she had brown eyes. Many years before she passed into eternity, she said, I realized why God gave me brown eyes. Because I've spent 55 years in India. God gave her the exact color of eyes to reach a people with the same color. She saw the dream. She saw the vision. And she became involved in it. She spent her whole life in India, never came back to Ireland. Today in my church... My drummer and piano player, grandmother, was raised by Amy Carmichael. The seed of a generation upon generation past is now working in a church in the city of Dublin. On that woman, she's still alive, she's 84. On her passport is Amma Carmichael, which means Mother Carmichael. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know whether you felt lost. Maybe you, you felt the dream was over. Maybe you looked at your age and said, I'm past, I'm retired, I'm, I don't have the education, I don't have the ability, I don't have that. Well, let me tell you, friend, the very fact you say that means you've got the right attitude. Because you look at Joseph, he was a slave. You look at Peter, he was a mere fisherman. You go through them all. They were all just ordinary people looking to an extraordinary God to do extraordinary things. Well, in my estimation, in my small life, I can honestly say God took this mess and put it back together. I've spoken in many places around the world. Not because of me, but because I have an extraordinary God. And today I believe this in my heart, that God wants to touch your heart, that you may dream again, you may have vision again, that you may 
feel purpose on planet earth again that you will not look at your retirement age but you will look to an extraordinary God to do something in your life to effectively bring change to society that you will cause an effect to those who are under you that you will put dream in that generation that don't even dream today that are so bonged out and so bummed up that they can't see that God has a great plan and I'm reminded Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 that says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord to prosper you and to give you a future hope and when God spoke to the prophet to Israel. Israel were in the worst place they would ever be over a 400 year period. Friend, I don't know where you're at or what you're going through, but I know there's hope in Jesus. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. I know there's hope in his message. I know his message puts a dream in me every day. I know he puts vision in me every day. Why? Because he's a God of dreams, friend. And you are sitting here today because God wants to evoke. God wants to provoke. God wants to store in your heart to dream again. For this God is an amazing God. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship, shall we? Come on, sister. Well, let us all worship, shall we? Let's all lift our hands. Let the Holy Spirit do something in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. The anointing will flow through every service. Let the young generation coming into the next service, God will do something. Prophesy. Come on. Declare the wonders of God. Declare the power of God. Come on, let's pray for Jamie that she will walk today. Come on. Let's believe God again. Hallelujah, Jesus, touch her now. Jesus, touch her. Fill her, Lord. Fill these women, Lord. Jesus, refreshing sense of presence of God. Refreshing sense of God. Refreshing sense of God in this man's life. Hallelujah. Bring them to life. Oh, I took this man in a piking way. Bring them to life.
Fantastic. We're going to do one more thing before we finish. And that is I want to receive an offering to bless Patrick as he goes. And uh, I've got him cutting him all around the countryside this week. He's going to work really hard. And, um, and I really want to bless him as he goes home. I want him to go home far more. Actually, I believe prophetically that as much as Patrick goes out, this trip is actually about what God's doing in him. And, uh, and it's, it's significant. So host team, if you could ready yourselves for that, please, that would be wonderful. If we could ready ourselves to so into the wonderful things that God is doing in Dublin City. Dublin City needs Jesus. It really does. Wonderful to see Josh back, and I hope I get this right. Is it Siska? Is that how I say your name? Siska, congratulations. Josh got married while he was away, and he's back with his wife. Wonderful to have you back in the city and in the country. Congratulations to you both. It's fantastic. Well, Lord, I declare your blessing over your church. Father, wherever we are and whenever we're there this week, help us to be like Jesus. Father, I pray that you would stir something in our spirits as we've been stirred this morning, that we would not only wherever, whenever, indeed, but this week it would be in word. Father, I ask that you would release the mouth of every person in this place to share something of the goodness of God, wherever it is that you've placed us. In Jesus' name. Amen. This week, let us happen to the city, not the city happen to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming out this morning. Have a coffee. Meet some people. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great week.